Welcome to the Richard Blackby Leadership Podcast, helping people take their leadership to the next level. Brought to you by Blackby Ministries International. Well, welcome to another leadership podcast, Richard. It's good to be with you again. Well, thanks, Sam. And uh, congratulations are in order since the last time we did a podcast together. Yes, we. Uh, You've added to your family. We have, we have. We welcomed uh, our first and a little girl, and my Claire. first granddaughter. And her first granddaughter. Six tries. So <laughs> I finally got a granddaughter. What a beautiful little baby! Tell what's her name and Claire. Claire Renee. Claire Renee. That's right. Yeah. yeah so we're. It's uh, if if I say anything or or seem tired. Then uh, uh, I'll I'll blame it on you, the baby. Uh, <laughs> and you thought you knew what it felt like to be really tired. Yeah, you know it was funny. I <laughs> I was at a coffee shop the other day, and uh, I asked the person behind the uh, young guy behind the the bar there. I said, "Hey, you know, how's it going?" He said, "Oh, I'm tired." And I I know this guy, and I <laughs> I wanted to say, "You have no idea." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this I was, to, was about two days into fatherhood. I used to work the graveyard shift, and I thought I was tired <laughs> until I had a baby. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, it's it's been amazing, but uh, as you know, it's very challenging and exhausting, but it, it's been amazing. And your sure. wife is already, I noticed today, getting it back into her pre-pregnancy genes. So uh, Yeah, yeah, she has geez. shed the weight. Wow, that, yeah. is, that is awfully fast. Yeah, so. she she's done amazing, um, and it's 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 really been in, an incredible ride so far. Uh, you got to just shed your pre-pregnancy weight. Yeah, right? I know. Well, I'm putting on like a... <laughs> Sympathy, sympathy. Yeah, exactly. Eating. Well, see now I'm now you know I'm up all hours of the night. It's like well I should probably have a snack here, yeah. and so yeah. now instead of shedding the the baby weight, I'm I'm now adding more pounds. So <laughs> no one said it was going to be easy. No, you know it's I uh, you know I'm willing to sacrifice. <laughs> uh, well, anyways, uh, it's good to be uh, back, and it's it's good to be doing another podcast. And uh, this week we're looking at another leader. Yeah, uh, we do these uh, every so often. We try to do them once a month. That doesn't always work out, but hey, uh, you know we do what we can. And uh, so this week we're looking at uh, Abraham Lincoln. So why, yeah. why are we looking at Abraham? We obviously, you know, I don't think anyone doesn't know who that is, but uh, mm-hmm. a very popular figure. So why, why have you chosen him? Well, you know, and Sam, I would say I've. Uh, just recently uh, had several people uh, mention to me how much they enjoy these leadership profiles. Uh, yeah. You know, I, 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 hopefully we're going to spread this love of biographies uh, to yeah. greater, to the masses. Uh, but it's one of the reasons I do like uh, reading biographies because you do learn so much about leadership and it's personal and, and every leader has a unique journey. Uh, yeah. You know, no two leaders are made exactly the same, but uh they're, they're fashioned through unique life experiences. And so uh, Abraham Lincoln, certainly uh, one of those that um, is recognized uh, widely as a great leader, uh, in some ways a controversial one, because he actually leads at w- arguably, uh, in fact, not that arguably, the worst crisis in American history. Yeah, uh, more American soldiers died in the Civil War than all other American wars combined. Wow. Uh, something like over six hundred thousand American soldiers died uh, in that war, and uh, ravaged the countryside. Uh, nothing had ever divided the country so severely, 
And so it certainly was the greatest single crisis for the United States ever to face. And so the, the person who led during that time and led ultimately to resolving those issues and addressing them um, gave him the opportunity either to be maligned as a horrible leader or celebrated as someone that took the country through its worst crisis and guided out the other side. Yeah. And so he's the uh, 16th American president. Uh, he led just short of 100 years, about maybe 90 or so years from the founding of uh, America. And so after you know approaching a century with some issues that had never really been resolved from the very beginning, like slavery, um, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, uh, uh, Madison, they all knew that slavery was wrong, that it was a problem in their country, but they just didn't have the, they didn't sense that they had the political capital at that point, that the nation was too young, too fragile to take that one on. And so some great statesmen over the years passed the issue down line for a later day. And Lincoln, almost 100 years later, finally was the one who took that on. Things that even Washington and Jefferson didn't want to tackle, uh, then finally Lincoln does. And so for those reasons, he is often rated number one or number two. When historians are rating top American presidents, mm -hmm. they'll usually have uh, Lincoln often is rated number one. Sometimes uh, Washington will, they usually are like neck and neck, Washington and Lincoln. Uh, but those two typically vie for number one, number two spot as greatest presidents in American history. So certainly someone worthy of our, our investigation. Yep. So maybe just to get started, is there anything about Lincoln that you would say made him such a successful leader? Or, or what about him stands out to you uh, as far as making him who he was and, and the ability to have the success? And obviously history is proven that he, he was a successful leader. So is there anything about him that, that stands out to you in that regard? Well, th there's several things about Lincoln. Uh, one is he did have a great ambition. Uh, in fact, he even said at one point that his one ambition in life was to do something to, in a sense, make a name for himself, that to show that he did something to contribute uh, to society that would garner people's respect. But, uh, but at the same time, coupled with a great ambition was also a great humility. And I feel like he earned a lot of that humility from his childhood, from the, the home life he grew up in. Uh, Lincoln grew up in a very poor home, a, farming, a farmer, uh, farmer's home in uh, Kentucky, moved around several places. His father often faced a financial crisis and uh, at times lost a bunch of land and um, had to work very hard to pay off his debts. Uh, and Lincoln, his whole life really was characterized by disappointment, by loss. He was a middle child, and his uh, older and younger siblings both died uh, while he was mm -hmm. growing up. Uh, his mother died while he was still a boy. Uh, Lincoln, in his own family, had four sons, three of whom died at young age, two of them while he was living, and uh, perhaps his favorite son, Tad, died uh, when he was only 18, a few years after Lincoln died. So, I mean, he lost three of his four son children himself, lost both of his siblings, uh, his mother, just a, a series of disappointments and losses. 
they say that uh, Lincoln and his wife, uh, Mary, both suffered from what would today be classified as clinical depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so here's Lincoln. Uh, day after day, he would go down to the telegraph office and see the the reports coming in of casualties, of soldiers lost, the suffering that was taking place on, on his watch, uh, and then also having a wife who was grieving over the loss of her child uh, uh, caused uh, enormous emotional uh, pressures and sadness. And so Lincoln is is a man that is often, he, he's known in, on one hand as being a very funny uh, person, a great sense of humor, great storyteller, but there's another side to him of a, a, a dark cloud that seems to just hover over him that he has to mm. wrestle with. And uh, and his, uh, he has a real kind of tumultuous relationship with his father. His father was hardworking uh, and pretty well illiterate. Uh, Lincoln himself had about maybe a year's worth of formal schooling in his whole life. He is basically self-taught. Uh, he read all the time. Didn't necessarily enjoy or aspire to just hard manual labor his whole life himself. He wanted something better than that. To, uh, so he's constantly reading. And his father often accused him of being lazy because he just wanted to read books and not just get out there and, you know, and and uh, Work the harvest fields. Yeah. the fields and do other things. And, uh, and there was a time, there was kind of an understanding back in those days that uh, until you were 21, uh, whatever you earned, you just gave to your dad, basically, uh, to kind of pay for your upbringing and your keep. And so his dad would actually hire out uh, Abraham uh, to do manual labor for other farmers and then the pay would go to his dad. And so yeah. he was... I, I bet there's a lot of fathers who wouldn't mind <laughs> yeah, I was say, carrying I, on that I, tradition. I wish I'd <laughs> thought of that. Uh, I'm not sure what I could have gotten for my boy's manual labor, but Lincoln was a big, strong, strapping young man and uh, at times just really grew to resent the fact that his dad uh, thought of him as lazy, that uh, saw no value in his learning, his education, uh, and who would farm him out just to pay off his own debts. Uh, so mm. Lincoln is working like a slave uh, and just to help his dad pay off his debts and his expenses. Yeah. So, in fact, I've read that uh, when Lincoln was married, he didn't even invite his father to his own wedding. Oh, wow. And when his dad died, he didn't even attend his father's funeral. Mm. And just like we've seen with several others, like uh, George Washington and some other great leaders, uh, they're, they're statesmen in terms of how they relate to other people, but they had a very anguished relationship with their own father, kind of like John Rockefeller as well. Probably mm-hmm. The greatest single embarrassment and pain in his life was the shame of who his father was. Yeah. Uh, and so Lincoln comes from a very, very broken, hurting past, uh, which I think just gave him a natural humility. You couldn't have grown up with that kind of... of uh, upbringing and not have just known a humility to just realize you're just grateful for whatever you do have. And you can't ever get too big for your britches because you know where you came from. Hmm. That's good. Any other traits uh, in his early life that that, uh, stand out to you when it comes to how it impacted his leadership? Well, you know, he... uh, There's some things about Lincoln, even as he began to enter into politics, where it just seemed like everything always 
would go against him. He he lost a number of elections, or he he thought that he because he did some things, uh, paid his dues, that then he would be given a certain position, and then it would be given to someone else. And uh, so, I mean, his early life is just filled with disappointments. Uh, hmm. And so he learned to be. Uh, I think what that did in part was he never overestimated the possibilities of things. He never got yeah. his hopes up too high. He also learned to take matters into his own hands. He, he, he knew that if he just left things into fate's hands, that he might probably be disappointed again. So yeah. was he, would you say he was a self-starter? Oh uh, yeah, for sure. And it's interesting that when he later enters into the presidential race, uh, there's a great book that kind of a base that I would encourage people to read by Doris Kearns Goodwin called Team of Rivals. It's it's a classic. Uh, she won the Pulitzer Prize uh, for that book, uh, and uh, it's it's uh, it's a great book, not just in terms of biography, but a leadership book. It, it's called A Team of Rivals, and mm. and what it really focuses on particularly is the cabinet that uh, Lincoln put together when he was president. And basically, when he entered the race uh, to, for the Republican nomination for president, every other person running as a Republican for that office uh, was better known, better educated, better connected than Lincoln was. He was by far and away uh, the, the underdog. Uh, everybody there had uh, power base, had respectability, had uh, one significant office and other role such as governor and so on um and everybody what goodwin says is that uh everybody when lincoln wins everyone else who ran was absolutely convinced that they were a better man that they would have made a better president than lincoln and so the interesting thing is that when lincoln uh is made president then he turns around and he invites all those rivals, all those people that were better trained, better educated, uh, to come and serve in his cabinet. And Lincoln says, uh, in such a, a time of crisis that we were facing, I needed the best men available. And th- it just happened that the best men available were all his rivals. Hmm. Every one of them thought they could do a better job than he could. And uh, so that tells you something about his both his humility as well as his love of country uh, and also his political ability that he could he could put around his cabinet table uh every, every person there was a strong outspoken opinionated man who all thought they could do a better job as president than Lincoln and yet that's who he chose to work with him he didn't pick any yes men people that were just his lifelong friends uh he picked people that he thought could do the best job possible and uh, but he used a a political genius really the the interesting thing and as you read uh, Goodwin, you you recognize, uh, she she unpacks this to show that even though these other men were in many ways more uh, well-known and respected and connected, that uh, Lincoln proves himself to to outsmart every one of them, that he's actually a better politician than any of those guys. Hmm. Uh, And so, for instance, uh, Salmon Chase is one of the, he was the governor of Ohio, which would have been a huge power base for him. But uh, but Chase had a, a certain arrogance about him, a certain pride that just assumed that because of his position and and the respect people had for him, that uh, it was pretty well just a shoe-in that he would win. Uh, Lincoln never assumed that. And so while some of his competitors would stay at home and just wait for the 
the results to come rolling in, Lincoln had a, a he had a team that was working with him, and he had people in place uh, uh, promoting him in key places. And uh, very shrewd politician. Uh, he he's humble, but he's also very pragmatic. Uh, he knows that it, he can't just win on his own name and reputation. Hmm. So he takes matters into his own hands. Some of the other guys who have bigger names, bigger reputations, make the mistake of underestimating him, not uh, taking care of uh, issues that would have helped them. One of the big ones that uh, Goodwin mentions is that uh, Lincoln never held a grudge. Uh, Lincoln refused to just take offense at petty offenses or even outright insults. And uh, what she says was very interesting. She says... uh, even in defeat, he made friends. So he would lose graciously. There were mm-hmm. times where even he would just choose to step aside and let another person, instead of fighting it out in an ugly kind of mudslinging match, he would graciously step aside. Uh, and what that did is, even though the other person won that particular race, they be- they began to respect and like Lincoln. And later, they would turn around and they would help Lincoln. They, they'd back him up. They felt like they owed him because he had been gracious and kind mm. to them. Whereas others, like Chase, for instance, in Ohio, or Seward, uh, they, they made enemies along the way, and they just left them as enemies. They didn't worry about being reconciled. They didn't worry about uh, alienating people from their base. And so, for instance, Salmon Chase came from Ohio, which Ohio, for many years was the number one state uh, to send presidents to, to the White House because it was just a very influential, populous state with a lot of great leaders coming out of it. And so Chase just assumed being a governor of Ohio ought to be a shoe-in for him. But the fact is, he'd alienated a lot of people along the way. And so his state did not support him like they would with other presidential candidates. And so even though he came from a power-based sort of state, it was a divided state. They weren't loyal to him. And they would betray him a number of times where he was counting on their votes and he wouldn't get it. And so Hmm. Lincoln, on the other hand, never took anything for granted. And he was always gracious in defeat. He tried not to make enemies, even though he stood up for principle. I mean, he didn't compromise his his beliefs, but uh, he didn't hold a grudge. And he didn't uh, add fuel to the fire. And because of that, uh, even though people didn't necessarily respect him, at first at least, uh, he tried to keep his enemies to a minimum, and uh, that ultimately helped him when it came down to real close votes uh, to determine who Republicans sent uh, into the election for president. Well, let's take a quick break here, and we'll resume this uh, dive into Lincoln when we come back. Twice a year, Black Bean Ministries hosts a spiritual leadership coaching workshop in the Atlanta area. The focus of this workshop is learning how to ask the right questions to help move people onto God's agenda. The next workshop is May 6th through 8th, and registration is now open. The early bird rate is available until April 1st, and space is limited. To find out more and to register, visit blackbeecoaching.org. Links will be in the show notes. So Richard, obviously, you know, we could probably spend um, months and diving into Lincoln and, and all of the things that he accomplished, the sort of man he was, the sort of leader yeah. that he was. Uh, what else in his career and his life um, stands out to you for his leadership? Or, or, or are there any anecdotes that that uh, are more memorable than others as you've researched his 
his career yeah, and his life. I think you, well, it's interesting to say. Good, you know, we've talked early on about does history make great leaders or do great leaders make history? Mm-hmm. And uh, Goodwin says, without the march of events that led to the Civil War, Lincoln still would have been a good man, but not likely would uh, would he ever have been publicly recognized as a great man. It was mm-hmm. history that gave him the opportunity to. Uh, manifest his greatness, providing the stage that allowed him to shape and transform our national life. And so when you, as we've said before, when you're rating presidents, uh, Lincoln and Washington always come in like number one and number two, often Franklin Roosevelt, number three, all of them, of course, leading during the greatest crises, World War II, Revolutionary War, Civil War, Theodore Roosevelt always is in there, and then often Harry Truman, who finished off World War II. So, you know, one one sense, um, what that always says to me is, I mean, Lincoln had said his great desire was uh, to, to do something to, to manifest his greatness. He said at one point, every man is said to have his peculiar ambition. Uh, I have no other so great as that of being truly esteemed of my fellow man by rendering myself worthy of their esteem. How far I shall succeed in gratifying this ambition is yet to be developed. So hmm. he just wanted to be esteemed by men. He was a guy that was not taken seriously, was often mocked and uh, ridiculed. Uh, he had one year of formal education. He knew he always was insecure about his lack of formal training. He was a gangly-looking kind of person. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, one one person said uh, that uh, he had abused the uh, the. Uh, characteristic uh, and right of politicians to be ugly. He said he took it to a whole nother level. <laughs> I remember reading uh, one place where, where Lincoln was accused, he said, I've been accused of being two-faced. He said, if I had two faces, do you think I'd be using this one? <laughs> That's sort of the self-effacing humor he would use that yeah. uh, he could he could laugh at that. But uh, he, uh, one exact, one story that I think just so is so telling is that uh, at one point, uh, when he was practicing law in Illinois, there was a big case that came up, and a, and a leading attorney was uh, was leading the case. But he, it looked like the the trial was going to be held in Chicago, and so he wanted someone from the state of Illinois to be on his team to be doing research there in the state. And so he was recommended to Lincoln, and so he he asked Lincoln to be on his team. Well, then ultimately the trial was put in a different state. So they didn't really need Lincoln, but this guy didn't even bother to tell Lincoln he didn't need him. And so when the trial <laughs> finally takes place, this uh, attorney, by this time, he has actually enlisted another attorney that's far more brilliant. His name is uh, Stanton. And so now this attorney's gotten Stanton, who's a, who's a well-educated, very respectable, articulate, brilliant attorney. And so this attorney's walking toward the court with Stanton and hasn't even bothered to tell Lincoln that he doesn't need his services anymore. Hmm. But Lincoln has been diligently studying and working, and he's so excited to be a part of this real big case. And so when he sees uh, the attorney, he's telling him all the research he's done, and he's basically brushed off and ignored. Uh, and, and Lincoln sat there through the whole trial just observing and trying to learn, even though he was never brought in to even show the research he'd done he was never even consulted even though he had put in all kinds of time i mean that's a that's amazing to to be sort of brushed off like that but still sit in 
yeah. and, and learn from the guy and, that replaced you. I mean, and that's he admired, incredible. You know, because the two attorneys, Stanton and the other attorney, he he knew were brilliant men, and he knew he could learn from them. What well, it gets worse though than that, <laughs> because when this man is walking with Stanton, and and Lincoln comes running up to say, "Oh, there you are. You know, I've got all this research, and I've been doing all this preparation," and he's just kind of blown off. They just keep walking on by, hardly even speak to him. And Stanton, the the, the new attorney who's been brought in looks at Lincoln and looks at this attorney and he says, uh, why, why did you bring that? He called him a long-armed ape. He said, why did you bring that long-armed ape wow. uh, to be on this team? And, uh, and so that's what he calls Lincoln. Well, fast forward a couple of years. Lincoln now is the president of the United States facing the Civil War. He needs to get a new secretary of war. At that time in the Civil War, the most important cabinet post he's got. Who's going to run the, the army, the military, raise the soldiers? Well, who does he hire but Stanton, hmm. the same man who called him a long-armed ape. Wow. Uh, the guy who bumped him aside and threw him to the curb so he could take over the role that Lincoln thought he would have. And uh, that that says the two things about that that just blow me away. One is that he had that he could just forget that that's a classic example of Lincoln just setting aside petty grievances. I mean, this guy, Lincoln was treated with absolute scorn, was looked down, Stanton looked down his nose at Lincoln, called him an ape, uh, didn't even try to conceal that, that his disdain and lack of respect for him. Yeah. And yet when Lincoln says, but our nation is in crisis, I need the best men available. He always respected Stanton's brilliance. He knew he was a brilliant man, even if he was rude and disrespectful. Yeah. So he so he hires him. And uh, the interesting thing is that when Stanton and Stanton actually took a cut in pay to work for the government, he was a well high priced attorney. So he actually took a cut in pay to come work for Lincoln and run the army. When Lincoln was assassinated, it was said that Stanton wept and wept and wept. And actually, he was the one who said, now he belongs to the ages. One of, by working next to Lincoln, the, the same person who called him a long-armed ape wept like a baby when Lincoln died because by that time, he knew what a great man he actually mm. was. And you see this story over and over again with uh, Lincoln played out. People who underestimated him, disrespected him. But by the, by the time this cabinet had worked with him through the Civil War, uh, they all came to love and respect him. Uh, and admire his genius. Uh, you, you didn't see it on the surface level, but you began to realize this is a man who had who was great and uh, who looked above insults and uh, slights for the good of the country. Had a humility to say, "I'm going to just forget about that because the country needs the best people available." Wow. And so that that's a just a, one of those kind of wonderful stories about Lincoln. Uh, you know, he also was uh, just a, a master of, of understanding that he had to shape public opinion. You know, a lot of leaders get eaten up by public opinion. Uh, they try to do some things and the public's against them. They, it's not popular, and so they, they become afraid. Lincoln did much like uh, Franklin Roosevelt. You know, Franklin Roosevelt, uh, entering another world war was very unpopular for Americans. And so he knew he couldn't just enter the war, even though he knew that America needed to. He had to shape public opinion until they were ready to enter the war. And likewise with Lincoln, he knew at the beginning of the war that he could not just simply declare all slaves free or en en enlist 
uh, African-American soldiers to fight in the army in, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. He, 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 but he kept shaping public opinion, and his sense of timing was always brilliant. So, for instance, when he does finally make an announcement about uh, the slaves all being set free, he waited until after a northern victory, which in the, the early days was few and far between. Um, but he thought, I'm not going to announce this after we've just been beaten. I'm going to announce it after we've just won. And, uh, and Lincoln was just a master at language, uh, not just with timing, but, of course, if you read some of his speeches um, in his second inaugural address, he talks about a famous phrase, with malice toward none. Now, he's just been in the midst of the most, the bloodiest, uh, most uh, strenuous civil war mm-hmm. perhaps ever fought. Uh, and yet he says, but we're not going to hold a grudge against these our enemies. Uh, once the war is over, we'll be brothers once again. And uh, But he, he studied Shakespeare. He read the Bible. Uh, he, he knew... He, he mastered language, even though he was not well educated. Uh, he he had a great vocabulary, and he and what he was able to do was to have a homespun kind of uh, language, where he had a way of telling stories that resonated with people, common people could identify with Lincoln, and he just did certain things that endeared him uh, to others. For instance, every time there was a battle fought. Uh, Lincoln would always go to the front lines and comfort the wounded and be there with the soldiers. Oftentimes, in the early days, uh, they had lost, and there the president would be walking among the troops. It's interesting because uh, General McClelland was an egotistical general that uh, disdained Lincoln, even though he was technically Lincoln was his boss. Uh, but he was an arrogant uh, general who was enraptured with his own brilliance. And, uh, and and first, Lincoln put up with him. In fact, at one point, he went calling on the general, and the general just arrogantly kept Lincoln, the president, in the waiting room until he was ready to meet with him. One time, just never did come down to meet with him, even though the president, <laughs> his boss, has come to talk to him. Just a very arrogant kind of person. And when people ask Lincoln, well, why do you put up with that kind of insolence from your underling? And uh, he said, if, if McClellan will win battles for me, I'll hold, I'll hold his horse for him, uh, which just shows you the humility. Now, Link, McClellan didn't win enough battles, and so eventually Lincoln fired him. And so, Link, so McClellan, who thought he was this very popular general with the troops, actually runs against Lincoln for the presidency in the next election. And, uh, and he thinks he'll just sweep all the soldiers' votes because he was a, supposedly a popular general. But actually, Lincoln gets more votes from the soldiers than the general does. And it shocked him and shocked a lot of other people. But what they didn't realize was that Lincoln would always be at the front lines encouraging soldiers. He, he, even when he put his life in danger, he would go to the dangerous places just to be there with the soldiers. And these soldiers came to realize, here's a man who really does care about us and, uh, and m- makes the effort just to reach out to us and encourage us. And, uh, and he just had a way of winning people over. That uh, even in a very in a time that could have just chewed him up, with all kinds of political factions and strong feelings and division, and yet uh, he had a way of winning people over to his side. And of course, he's just famous for his humor. He he uh, he always had a funny story that would just diffuse the situation so often. Uh, and he just he he he's famous for just at just the right moment telling a funny story that would just lighten the room. 
and uh, diffuse the tension in the air between various cabinet members. Uh, and so he used humor well. He had a good sense of timing. Uh, he had a way of endearing people to himself. Uh, and he was just compassionate uh, because of all that he had experienced himself. Um, and finally, just with his speech, uh, the Gettysburg Address, it's a yeah. two-minute speech, and yet it's considered one of the greatest speeches in American history. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't how many words he used. It was that he had a way of, with a few words, going right to the heart. And, uh, and I think in so many ways, those are some of the things that have endeared him even all this time later. And in the, the worst crisis ever in history for America, uh, he proved himself uh, capable of uh, rising to the occasion and putting the country first before his own ambition. Well, I get the sense that we could uh, go on at length, and yeah, uh, there's we could <laughs> m- much more, much more to discuss about Lincoln, and perhaps we'll one of these days uh, circle back around and, and maybe do a deeper dive on on some of the elements of his leadership. And um, I just think there's so much in his life to learn from. And um, my my one takeaway is there's there's no situation that he wouldn't learn from. Yeah, and I think that that's that's pretty remarkable. Stay um, humble. And yeah, you, and you keep learning and you yeah. keep growing. Yeah, well, that that's a great uh, great uh, point to end on. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed. Review us on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. If you have questions or comments, please email us at podcast at blackbee